I'm Marty Dodson. And I'm Clay Mills. Welcome to Songtown on Songwriting. Okay, today, guys, we have with us a very special guest. And I could sit here and list off all the songs he's had recorded by major artists, um, but that would take us quite a bit of time. We don't have time for that. So I'm just going to first list a few of his 11 number one songs. Let's get into it. Strip It Down, Luke Bryan. Break On Me, Keith Urban. That's one of my favorite Keith Urban songs. We Were Us, Keith Urban, Miranda Lambert, Beechin, Jake Owen, Whatever She's Got, David Nail, If I Told You, Darius Rucker. I, mean, I could just go on and on. We have with us, without further ado, Mr. John Knight. Hey! <laughs> the crowd goes wild. Hey. No one knows who that is, but yeah. <laughs> Yes, but they know the songs, and we're here to get to know you a little bit. So, from what I've read, you were 18 years old, living in Amarillo, Texas, and something possessed you to move your wife and your your child with yeah. you to Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, yeah. what were you thinking, John? Uh, you know what? We were high school sweethearts and all that, and like I was telling you before the interview, I, my dad, in the middle of you know his 30s, decided that he was he felt called to be a preacher which he was was younger and went back to the ministry after you know years of like having a pretty good careers in, in auto sales and like running an auto dealership and stuff like that he just went on a mission trip um so i was kind of like the dark horse teenager and 18 i had a baby and a wife and he's already he'd already moved from texas our hometown to california um to be in a church so at that point i I was just basically destitute, poor, um, wanted to do music, but knew that for me it was impossible. But I knew that um, I could never do anything that I wanted to do in Amarillo because I was so called to do music. And there just wasn't enough other than teaching. uh, There wasn't any way that I could make a living at music in Amarillo. And I honestly, there was no way I could make any kind of living anyway in Amarillo. So I figured I'm. You know, I'm pretty much have about 500 bucks to my name. I'm working at a plumbing company. Uh, I have a baby, and I'm 18, but I have a scholarship opportunity in Nashville, um, or I have a full ride in Texas. If I stay in Texas, I had four scholarship opportunities. Wow. SATs were really good. I guess I don't know. Are they just like taking chances on long shots? But. Uh, but I chose Nashville, and uh, there's a crazy story about that, too, because I really couldn't afford to go. But God kind of put this buddy of mine in my life, and uh, I told him uh, he was going to Vanderbilt, and I told him at 18, I was like, I can't go to Vanderbilt. I'm just going to take one of these scholarships here in Texas and stay here and, and figure life out. And he called me back an hour later. His dad actually called me back an hour later and said, what do you need to go to Nashville? And uh, I said, "It's, I mean, it's a lot of money. I can't even – It's." It's probably a thousand dollars or something a year, you know. And he said, "Whatever it is, I'm gonna get you a check. I want to get you there. I don't want you to feel like you you've wasted your life or something." And um, so he saved me, and and I went to Nashville based on that. And then uh, a year, and I got stubborn, and I and I he kept trying to give me the money, and I I just ended up getting jobs to to cover whatever money he'd given me because I was too proud to take it. And so I got here and. 18 went to Belmont and you know initially it was kind of hard but it was fun I got to sing and some stuff and I ended up on a, a 
record at 19 or 18 at the end of my first year we got a grammy nomination just singing background vocals for a, a country record wow. that i stumbled into and so at that point i thought this is easy i mean i'm gonna do this you know <laughs> this is amazing and uh, it's like it's like the first time you play golf and you hit a hole in one and you yeah. think it's gonna be like just great from there on out <laughs> i'm telling you it was it definitely was fun and they they paid us in pizza which i thought that's that's fine <laughs> and uh i never it was just one of those things i just did it for the experience and it it was cool but uh several years later i'd intern somewhere and i thought i might get a job there and be on the publishing side and then it it kind of fell and it, a couple months after i graduated that thing shut down and uh, so i was left without any real source of income and any i had a degree in music um and so I ended up just taking a real job, you know, um, and, and just trying to figure out, you know, how to make a living, how to make a life in Nashville. And I ended up just kind of sneaking into a bank and then ended up working my way up. And before I knew it, five years had passed and I had completely abandoned my the thing that I was called to do most in life. And, and my wife just kind of sat me down and she said, you know, we didn't come here for you to to be in a suit and tie, you know, you, you hate your life right now. This is not you. And so she said, why don't you just go over to NSAI and do like one of these weekend things? And she gave me a weekend at NSAI, like an event where they kind of show you how to write songs and all that kind of stuff. And I went in there, I mean, like Hugh Presswood was there and I gave him a song and he was like, Hey, this is kind of good. Um, it's not a hit, but it's, it's really worth something, you know? And then yeah. I just, whittling away and um about two years later i got a, i got a deal for a, you know like 16 grand or 18 grand a year or something like that and i thought i made it you know and turned in 10 songs and my publisher made it into a record and one of the songs got cut by blake shelton and um you know it just the blake shelton song never came out and nothing ever came from that other than uh just learning how to write better songs and i got dropped after year two with that publisher and it just it was a long, arduous process, and I could tell that it was, I had about a month left of money before I had to get go back and get a real job, and uh, I just didn't do it. I just couldn't give it up, and finally, uh, Josh Van Valkenburg, who just called me on, on Sony, he was at EMI at the time. He's a buddy of mine at the time, and I was like, hey, can you, uh, can you set me up with some publishers that are like indie and outside that I could play some songs for, and he said, yeah, and so... He set me up with four people and every one of them called him and said, why are you not signing him? And so, uh, and for me, I just had gone to Josh thinking EMI, Sony, it's like too big. I have nothing going on. Why would they sign me? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in my mind. I'm still the 18 year old kid with a baby. That's, you know, working at a plumbing company. And, uh, thank God he went and talked to Ben Vaughn and Ben Vaughn listened to a couple songs and said, sign this, this is crazy. We should sign him. And they signed me and they gave me a freaking great deal. And uh, from then on, it's it's been a cool couple of years. That was about a decade ago. And uh, I, I don't know if I had a couple of hits recently. So I'm thinking I'm up to like 16 or number ones, 20 top, 20 top tens or something like that. So um, we had a first pop crossover last year with I Hope. And uh, it's been it's been neat. Got a Grammy nomination. But every every year it's just grinding away just trying to make it a little bit closer to a better song and 
let the song be the king. Right. I I love that. I'm, you know, on this podcast, we say that all the time that the song is king. And if you want a career, you've basically just got to keep grinding. You know, you got to keep working and every day try to write a better song than the day before. One of the things that impressed me is a lot of writers in town are constantly chasing writing with the artist, but you've had a nice mix of songs that the artist was not in the room. So that says to me, those songs had to be a little better to get on the project sometimes. So, you know, you're, you're just grinding away, but you're grinding away with writing great stuff, you know, man, I appreciate it. It is, it's, um, I do feel that the swing of the tide on, on my day to day in that writing with artists is more part of um, the daily existence. But sometimes, you know, like you take an artist like uh, a Tim McGraw or a Chesney, who's kind of said so much, or even like a Sam Hunt, who's kind of already said a lot of things. Um, they, it, it's hard for them to write just purely on whatever is in the room and whatever is the best possible idea because it may conflict, you know, they may have already written something like that or they right. might, they've already put out decades of music and they don't want to repeat themselves. Right. So it becomes a smaller and smaller target the longer you write with artists um, to just write great songs. And, and for some reason, I think society now thinks that whatever an artist puts out, it's their real life and it can't be, separated from the two the you know but in the past and before our time it wasn't always like that it was just like is this a great song is it where i'm at in life no but will people cry or laugh or dance on it i mean yes so it's a great song we'll put it out no matter what uh, so as a writer writing with other writers it's refreshing because there's no box there's no filter there's no i've already done that or there's you just write the best possible thing you can write without any politics. So it's a little more pure of a, of a writing process. You don't have anyone filtering anything um, other than just trying to make great art. Uh, so it, for me, that has always been so fun. And when I'm having fun, I think the products, you know, the songs are better. And um, so I encourage you to write, with artists because a lot of the new art artists are like fantastic writers and started as writers. But I also think you should just, you know, write by yourself and write with other writers that are great that do things you can't do because then you really are chasing the song and not the career. You're just chasing right. a great piece of music that the world hadn't heard. So, and that's, that's what I've done a lot of times. I used to do Friday songs and it was like Friday we do one for us whatever the hell we want to do, we write it. And then all the Friday songs started getting cut. You know, <laughs> I was like, well, maybe, maybe we'll do Wednesday and Friday and Tuesday, you know? So. I, I really think there's something to just having fun because I, I can remember, you know, times where just kidding around in the writing room and, and spitting out something that's completely ridiculous will turn into, you know, a great song and get cut. So I think people know when, when you're having fun and it comes across that way. And if you, if you dare to suck, just say crazy stuff. Sometimes it ends up being the thing that is most memorable in the song and that like, Oh yeah, that's the 
speakers go boom, boom, part of the song where everybody screams at the top of their lungs, even though it's kind of silly, you know, you're like, an editor would just edit that out and put something else in, but that's like the joke and it's the fun part, you know, so. Yeah, it's like one time Jeffrey Steele got um, a Shih Tzu dog in a song and it's oh, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, my my buddy, um, Shane Miner, he would, you know, he was like, we tried to get him to take it out of there. And he was like, no, that's, that's going to be what people will remember. True. It's funny. Well, awesome. I won't keep you much longer. I just wanted to ask you um, one more question. I mean, you've given so much advice for writers already, but if there was one quality um, that you think a writer needs to succeed today what what should they focus on if you know that that one thing they should really never forget as a writer for me personally i think the reason i'm i've been able to continue to have songs that people love or whatever that makes it to the chart makes it to the top of the chart it is kind of learning to be the thing that your co-writers are not in that moment quickly so if if you're just as a writer who's new and you you need to have kind of a great mastery of whatever your strongest set of things is like if you're really good at music and you're good at tracks and you you can become you know the producer of that right and just make it sound bring everybody else's dreams to life that's amazing and very few people can do that but there's also sometimes you have those people already in the room and you just have to find your moment. Sometimes your melody, sometimes your only lyric, and sometimes you're just the idea and you have to learn, okay, the artist is killing melody. Let them do it. Or, you know, Ross Copperman's over there making a track. I'm going to not do anything, but just watch and smile. You know, if you just become a, whatever they're not good at, right. You fit in any room and then you, you know, you're not fighting with someone. You're just basically adding, always add, you know, hope and happiness and like great vibe to whatever situation. And I feel like that helps me. And some days I'm like writing 90% of it. And some days I'm writing 1% of it. It just, but it's valuable either way. Cause you know, right. if you try to let that song be the focus and make that better, no matter what way you can, that's kind of what I do. And at the level we're at, I mean, it's like everybody's going to have great musical talent. Everybody's going to be a poet because and everybody has to be kind of cool because otherwise you've already been weeded out. Mm -hmm. So you don't have those basic like musical skills and you're not reading and ingesting copious amounts of all kinds of, you know, literature and TV and movies and conversations and not sponging all that stuff. Um, then you're not going to. You're never going to break through. Those are just like the basics. And then you have to be the guy who's cool and a chameleon and is pretty agreeable and gets along with pretty much everybody. And if you can do that, I mean, you can, they can put you in any room and the end of the day, there's going to be a great song. And that's all they really, anybody cares about is they want a great song with their friends that they love. And, you know, and the more I write, the more I feel like I don't know as much as I thought I did. This way we hear it is not perfect. So that helps too, as the being the chameleon in the room, you know, kind of humbling yourself enough to to listen to other people. So, and that is great advice. Thank you for being here today and 
sharing a little bit of your story and you've given so much um, great advice for young songwriters to follow. And um, I just appreciate talking to you, man. Dude, likewise. Thank you so much for taking the time. Appreciate it. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. I've got a song for you by Kevin Hurchin and Steve Smentek called Beating Heart that I think you're going to really enjoy. I'm surprised you haven't given up yet Hey, hard Do you like away the pain and forget? Aren't you tired of giving all yourself away? Hoping it'll come back one day Hey, hard What keeps you ticking after all of the gives you tick? I'm nursing every bruise and every scar How do you take such a beating heart? Hey, heart, do you like the view from out of my sleep? Hey, heart, I'm wide open for the world to see don't you want to break free from the firestorm? But you keep coming back for more. Hey, heart. What keeps you ticking after all of the lick gives you tick? And how do you go on? Love like nothing's gone wrong when I feel the mistakes. That you've made Cause I'm nursing every bruise And every scar How do you take such a beating heart?
I really dig that song. That song is actually available on Spotify and all the places you listen to music. Kevin Hurchin is the artist, and he wrote that with Songtown member Steve Smentak. So I encourage you to check out the links to their stuff in the show notes. And we're going to move into a question that we get in the Songtown Ask Marty and Clay forum. And today's question is, how is the best way to pitch a song for a duet? And people often wonder if they have to have um, a version of the song already recorded as a duet, if they're going to pitch it, or if they can just pitch a song that they think would work as a duet, or or what's the, the best way to do that. And in my experience, um, what I've seen work the best, because it's so expensive to record a duet version of every song you might want to pitch as a duet, is I try to have a lyric sheet ready. If I'm going to pitch a song for a duet, I might pitch it with the lyric sheet as the demo is with just one single vocal. But I might also include a, a lyric sheet that shows how I would envision the duet being sung. So like female would come in here, male would come in here. I've tweaked the lines around where they would work for the for that new scenario. Uh, but a lot of times, people that are listening for songs for a duet also want to feel like they discovered, oh, here's how this could work in that scenario. So you also don't you don't have to be afraid of just pitching a song that you think would work as a duet, and let the let the person on the other end, if they love the song, let them and the artist work out how they would do that as a duet, because you don't always have to lay things out for people in that way, and sometimes you can leave room for their creativity. But I don't really recommend doing a duet version of the demo unless you just really want that for your own pleasure, or if the song only works as a duet, then you could do it that way. Um, but I think you have more versatility if you're if you just do a demo of the song with with one singular vocal, and then um, you can still pitch it with the idea that it might be du- a duet. And if you pitch it without that duet lyric, and they say, "Well, I don't understand how this could work," then you you would have that ready to send them. Uh, so I hope that's helpful. I hope that saves you some money on maybe not doing a duet version of every demo that you want to pitch that way. Thanks for listening to us today. As always, we appreciate you. Uh, if you haven't already, it'd be great if you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we'd love for you to check out Songtown and our books, all that stuff. The links are in the uh, show notes. We also have a new book coming out on mastering melody writing, which I think is going to be great. It was written by Clay Mills and Bill O'Hanlon. I think you'll really like that. Uh, but until next time, we will see you. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of Song Tim.